Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. We believe that you're at work and you're speaking to us. You're helping us in everything that we do. Lord, give us understanding and revelation today. Utterance in the Holy Ghost. Boldness to speak your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, everybody, last week uh, we began a new series called One by One. And uh, today I want to pick up with that series part two today. Uh, let me just throw this out to begin with, though. If there's anyone here and you missed part one, uh, you really need to get on board. All right, get, get to our website or get a CD and get caught up. I want you to understand and I want you to feel something, tell, tell you the truth. I want you to feel what, uh, what I feel. I want you to see what, uh, what the Lord is showing me. And uh, I want you to understand the heart of God towards the lost. Okay, and we talked some about that last week, about the Father's heart towards lost people. And uh, we've really seen that it's unacceptable for us to go on living life as if everybody's okay. As if everyone's just fine. Just smile at everyone. Act like your neighbor's good and your co-workers and all your friends that, don't, that aren't saved. Act, act like everything's okay because, you know, we don't want to cause any ruffles in anyone's feathers. And not that people have feathers, you know, but you get the analogy. But, uh, you know, you don't want to cause any conflict. And so we just never discuss eternity. And that's something that should be first and foremost on all of our minds. But too often we get caught up with life, with the world and things around us, and we remove our mind from the eternal scope and the grand, great picture, and it's all focused on here and now, and we miss out on the heart of God towards all people everywhere. And I don't want to go over the things we discussed last week, so again, get it for yourself. Re-listen to it if you've already heard it until you feel it. Until you see it, until you can't go on living your life in such a way that doesn't involve somebody else getting to know the Lord, okay? It's so important that we understand this in this day. Now, today, I want to talk to you about how to pray for lost people. But first off, before I can say anything about that, I have to say a few other things. Otherwise, I... I'm concerned that my message on prayer will dig us further into a ditch that many Christians live in. Okay? That's the prayer ditch. <laughs> what I'm saying is prayer alone will not bring salvation to a person. We must not come at this from the mindset that many have. Man, there are people lost and people need to get saved. They need to receive the Lord. Let's pray. Then next week, man, we got to pray for the lost. And a month later, man, we got to pray for the lost. Six months later, we're praying for the lost. Is anybody getting saved? No, but we just got to get more people to pray. And if we think, well, there's a big problem. I mean, lots of people need saved, so we need lots of more people to pray. And if we get the whole church to pray for the lost, certainly they'll start getting saved. And the answer is that doesn't work. And obviously, I'm not telling you not to pray for the lost because I'm going to get in the specifics of the how-tos when it comes to that. But we must remove the thinking that prayer is it. Prayer is the solution. It's the answer to everything in life. We just need to pray. Truthfully, we don't just need to pray. Prayer needs to be one component 
in what we do in life. It is not the only thing. It's not everything. Amen. 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 Just like oftentimes people want to put all of our Christian life into one principle. Uh, It's like someone said, well, it's just all about obeying God. We just have to obey God. And this week as I was meditating on that, I realized, no, that's not the answer. I don't just need to obey God. I need to do a good job obeying God. I don't know if you understand what that means. But if you have children, you do. (laughs) You ever ask children, your children, to take care of something? I want you to do this, clean this up, or take care of this project. And when they come back and you ask them, well, did you do what I told you to do? They say, well, yes. And they're not lying. They did it. But then when you analyze it, you realize they did a terrible job. You know what I'm talking about? They didn't give it a full effort. They didn't do it with excellence. They did it with, uh, they, they just, you know, did a very mediocre job. And that's not what I meant. You know what I'm saying? You kind of didn't say it, but you, you meant it when you asked them to do it. And I think the Lord has that attitude towards us. When He wants us to do something, it's not that He has in His mind just kind of get away with the bare minimums. Just kind of pull it off and that'll be good. And I don't want to stand before the Lord giving account for my life. And he said, you know, did you do what I said? Did you, you know, build that church and pastor that church? And, and, and I can say, well, yeah, I did. I mean, I did a lousy job, but I did it. No, I want the attitude that, uh, that, that I want to do what's right. I want to obey God, but I want to do a good job obeying God. If he asks me to do something, I'm going to do it good. I'm going to do it good. If he asks me to paint the wall, I'm not going to leave a couple spots. Say, well, I did it. Well, I guess you're right. You did do it, but whatever. You did a lousy job. (laughs) And so we need to have an attitude of excellence towards everything that we do, especially when it comes to the things of God. If I'm doing something for Him, not just did I do it. Did I do it and complete it? Did I do it and finish the work? Did I do an excellent job at what He called me to do? Now let's get to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. Again, prayer alone is not the answer. Prayer alone doesn't get people saved. Look at verse 23. It says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through prayer. Is that what it says there? You don't get born again through prayer? It says, Through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. You know, prayer never saved anybody. It is an absolute essential for any person to be born again is they must have a seed planted inside of them. They must hear the Word of God. And if I again take that, sta- that standpoint, just pray, 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 and never say anything about what God's plan is for a person's life, they will never come to the Lord. Prayer doesn't save people. The Word of God saves people. Say amen. Amen. Say that every now and then just for fun. (laughs) Just to to help us out. But people need a seed. They need the Word. Prayer is a part. And by the way, side note to that, not all prayer works. Praying correctly works. We must pray, and that's why I want to show you specifically how to pray for lost people today. Because if we pray right, it'll be effective. Just because we pray doesn't mean anything happens. Most people are aware of that. That's why they say sometimes, you know, in uh, end of a basketball game or, or a football game, you know, you got 
five seconds left, and the quarterback's got to throw it 60 yards, and hopefully someone will grab it in the end zone. They'll say he threw up a prayer. <laughs> because that's the attitude people have towards prayer, because most of the time it doesn't work. Am I right, or am I right? But it's not supposed to be that way. Jesus never talked about prayer that way. The Lord never taught us pray, and it might work. He made extreme, absolute statements, say so you can have whatever you want. If you'll believe, you'll get it, right? And there's different types of prayer, and there's different things we can say. But let's not just think, well, as long as we pray, that's what matters. No, 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 it's called praying right. It's praying, called praying the Word of God. All comes back to the Word eventually. But again, people must hear the Word in order to be saved. I remember years ago, I was uh, working with youth, and uh, I had a bunch of youth that would pray with me every week. And we had this prayer meeting, and it was on my heart to pray and to minister to people that we weren't ministering to at that point. And I told them, I said, I said, let's pray that we will be able to begin reaching more teenagers that are on drugs and that are, you know, having a lot of problems, they're getting knocked up, and they're depressed and suicidal, and, and some who are into crime, and it just got a real messed up life. I said, well, I really want to reach them with the gospel. We really want to reach them more. And so we prayed about that, and we prayed about that. In my mind, I was thinking, cool, they're going to start coming in. Uh, We're going to start seeing a lot more of these people. It's going to be great. They're going to be coming in and getting saved. And they weren't. And the prayer seemed good, but I didn't see anything. And then what happened is all of a sudden, we were led and had an opportunity to go into this detention center, this juvenile detention center, and, and speak to the kids there. And I realized after we, we started doing this, and the pe- and the kids are coming to the Lord, they're getting saved. I realized after we were doing this, I thought, well, that's how that was supposed to work. I was thinking it would happen a different way, but all of a sudden we were reaching the very people we prayed to reach. And I didn't realize at first that that was the answer to the prayer. But here's the deal. Whenever we pray to reach another person, pray for lost people, it doesn't end there. What that does is create an opportunity for the word to be spoken. And too many times, believers, we get the mindset that prayer is independent and exclusive in and of itself. That's what we need. No, prayer opens the door to something else. But if we don't step into the something else, we might as well not have prayed. Is everybody listening? Because God knows it's not just the prayer that does it where we pray and then God's going to do it. No, we pray and then He makes a way and empowers us to do it. But it all comes back to our assignment. Amen. I remember reading over there in Acts chapter 4. Latter part of Acts chapter 4, you know the church was being persecuted right at the beginning there. uh, Pretty strong. They were threatened not to preach and teach in the name of Jesus anymore. And so they all got together and prayed. Lord, you know, behold their threats and grant unto your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. Watch. And they said, by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders would be be done in the name of thy holy child, Jesus. I always thought about that. Right after that, you might think that the Scripture would say, and so he stretched out his hand to heal, and they all became bold. But what they prayed came about a different way. They prayed, 
Lord, fill us with boldness by stretching out your hand. The way the Lord responded to that, He filled them with the Spirit. And it was a refilling in their case. He filled them with the Spirit and they spoke with boldness. Why? Because that's what produces the signs, wonders, and miracles. It wasn't that God needed to stretch out His hand. It was that they needed to stretch out God's hand through their hand. And so the way the Lord did it, they prayed, Lord, do this. He filled them up. They did it, and God showed up strong. That's the way things work. We pray so we can act. He fills us so we can speak, and we have a word, and that's when God shows up powerfully. But often we have the wrong mindset. We're praying, Lord, do this. He's going to do it, but He's going to do it in a different way. He's not going to do it independent of us. He's going to step in and give us an opportunity. We walk through that door, speak the Word, and people are born again. But if we don't ever speak the Word, nothing happens. We had a good prayer meeting. Woohoo! Man, we sure connected with God on that one. <laughs> look, look over at the book of Acts with me. And let me throw this scripture out to you as well while you're turning there. Uh, Romans chapter 10 and verse 14 says, how can they call on him whom they have not, in whom they have not believed? How can they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That's just simply the way things work. People cannot believe without being spoken to. And if we're going to win one, it's not going to be without words. Amen. I know sometimes people say, well, you know, we should live our lives in such a way that people come to the Lord through our lifestyle. I agree with that. I agree with that fully. But still, people may be drawn to what we represent. They still have to hear something eventually. Right? Otherwise, they don't know what to believe. That's what the Bible says. So we don't want to exalt a nice saying above the word. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You know this scripture, right? This is a good one. But I think sometimes people focus on the power part. Woo! And what we get and not the assignment part. But Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This was delegated authority from the Lord to the church. Do you know that God has given us an assignment? He's given us the authority. He's given us the job to preach the gospel, to share good news with other people. And the thing about this is, if we don't do it, He's not going to pick up the slack. If I don't say anything, He's not going to say anything in my place. I can pray, say, Lord, I feel called to prayer. I pray, 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 pray. But what does that do? That opens an opportunity for me to speak. He never is going to come in. If I have a, a, an unsaved uh, friend or a relative, and I just, I'm praying for I've been praying for them for years, but have you ever said anything to them? Because yeah, I'm not saying your prayers are probably working. But unless they have a word spoken to them, they will never come to the Lord. And I cannot think, I'm just praying that God will do it. Man, I'll show you that in a minute, but that's completely wrong. That's completely wrong thinking. And they're, and they're never going to come to the Lord if we approach it from that angle. The Lord assigned this to us. That means He's not going to. He's not going to clean your room for you. You clean it. Look, it over, look over at Acts chapter 10. Let me show you this. Verse 1, Acts 10, 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. Now, some of your translations say the Italian band. 
All right, that was not a, their praise and worship group, the, but it's uh, it, it's just the Italian regiment. He sa- it says about him a devout man who w- one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms, alms is giving, you know, giving to the poor and stuff, have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa, and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. He will? Now, I don't know if you ever think like me, but when I read this, my first thought is, especially if I was standing there, you know, in this vision with the angel, and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute now. You showed up here supernaturally. I mean, this is cool. I like this. This is a powerful experience. Uh, You know, let's do this more often. But you're here now. I'm here now. And why don't you just go ahead and tell me what Peter's supposed to tell me? Instead of telling me, I want you to go see Peter, and he'll tell you. Well, since we're here, and you already know what Peter's going to say, and you could probably say it just as well as Peter or better, And since I'm here, and this would make a great testimony, (laughs) why don't you just go ahead and tell me what I need to hear from God? Why didn't he? Why didn't the angel just go ahead and tell him what he needed to know about salvation? The answer is because he couldn't. Angels are not authorized to preach the gospel. Angels are not allowed. It is not their assignment. The commission of sharing the good news has been given to people, not angels. And again, that goes to the mindset that we have sometimes. I'm going to pray that God will do it. God's not going to do it. Well, he'll send an angel. But the best an angel can do is say, go talk to you. Eventually, it's coming back to us. And if we say something, everything will be different. And if we don't, everything will remain the same. All right? And he went to Peter. And Peter preached the gospel to him, and everything changed. You know, this kind of scenario still works today. And uh, most of the time, I think it's not as dramatic as where every person is going to have a a vision of an angel to tell them, go see her, right? Most of the time, it's not to that extent, but it's still working like this. God works on both ends of this. See, the Lord dealt with Peter, too. Peter fell into a trance and saw things, and the Lord spoke to him after that trance and said, there's people downstairs waiting to talk to you. See, God dealt with the messenger and the one who needed the message. The Lord is still doing that today. How? Well, you know, there are, pe- there are a lot of people in the world who are calling out to God. They're crying out for help. You wouldn't know it because they might not make a scene before you. They don't do it when they're sitting on the bench in the mall. Uh, But they get in their own quiet place. They get in their home at night, and their life is falling apart, and they need help. And uh, well, even some people, their life isn't falling apart. 
like Cornelius, I don't know, it didn't give any implication that he was under, under some great trial, but he was calling on God. He wanted to know what he needed to do to be saved. He wanted to know what was right. There are people calling on God. How does the Lord answer these? He does it by talking to us, by bringing our paths across each other. When we pray for the lost, again, we pray and the Lord makes a divine connection. And he brings people together so that the word can be spoken. Because without that incorruptible seed of the word of God, no one gets born again. And if we say, well, that's, I'm, that's not really my call. Without that, nothing gets done. Uh, a friend of mine, pastors in another city, and his wife was in the grocery store recently. And she ran into this person, uh, coincidentally, uh, that had gone to their church but had, hadn't been there for a couple of years. And she went over and talked to her and said, hey, you know, how's it going? And, and she got in a discussion and she said, have you been, have you been, actually she said it this way, has the Lord been dealing with you to come back to church? And this woman was like, I can't believe you said that. She said, watch, she said, I've been thinking about that. All day and the day before, I've been thinking about going back to church. Here's what's interesting. That woman thought it was just a thought she had. A lot of people God is talking to and dealing with, they don't know it's Him. They just know, hey, I've been thinking about going to church. And many times that thought will come in and it'll go out. Sometimes they'll act on it and they'll just say, I've just been thinking about doing this. Listen, no, they're not. People don't just think about going back to church. <laughs> People don't just, it was the Lord dealing with her. And then when someone else listened to the Lord by having that discussion, maybe you could do the same. And you see people you know, hey, have you been thinking about going to church? If they say no, you didn't hurt anything. But watch, you'll find out that God is already dealing with people. He is already dropping thoughts into people's minds. They just think, that was a random thought. But come to find out, it was the Lord Himself drawing that person back into a fellowship and, 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 and into a relationship with Him. We ought never think that we are on our own in these regards. I'm just going to go do it. No, the Lord was there before you showed up. Before you even thought about praying for a certain friend of yours to come to the Lord, the Lord dropped that person in your heart so you would pray. The reason you're thinking about people right now and you're considering these things is because the Lord has been dealing with me. He started it. He dealt with me to talk about this. And so I know He's dealing with people all over this place even today. And there's going to be some lives changed. Not because we simply pray, but because we do. We, we go. We act. Again, it's not the angel's job to do this. I think a lot of times the church has been praying for a move of God. God's been praying for a move of the church. And, uh, and it's time for us to giddy up off our butts and do something. Amen. And I want to help you with this, especially if it's new. I'm going to give you some good stuff to really help you. But right now, let's get into this, how to pray for the lost. Let me give you five things to pray. Five things to pray. How to pray for the lost. I want you to, first of all, Start off with this. Your prayer starts with giving God thanks for His love for the people. I'm talking about praying for the lost in specific now. 
someone you know, a friend, a relative, a neighbor, a co-worker, you're calling them by name and you're saying something like this, Father, I thank you that you love them. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for them. I thank you that you, it's not your will that anyone should be lost, but all should be saved, come into a knowledge of the truth. You love them far more than I do. Why, why do I say start off that way? One, it's good, and if you spent 20 minutes doing that, you'd be A-OK. Huh? Like most people pray, problem, 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 Qu- request, thank you, Lord, amen. Switch it. Thank you, 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 Lord, glory to God, glory to God, let me ask you for this, amen. You'll find yourself being a lot more effective. But secondly, here, here, here's the deal with this. We never want to approach this as if I really want this person to know you and be saved, but God, if I could just get you to agree with me. Almost like we're praying, the Father doesn't really want, if, Lord, if you would just do something, I know they'd be saved. If you wanted them to be saved as much as I want them to be saved, then we'd really get something done. How many understand when we say it that way, it's like, oh, yeah, no, that's not right. But people do. They beg God to save people. Oh, Lord, do something. Listen, the Lord has done something. And our approach to Him begins with saying, thank you, Lord, I know you already have. I know to whatever degree that I want people to be saved and I want this person to know you, you want it so much more. And so I thank you for your love for them. I thank you for the, uh, the Spirit of God that is sent to convict the world of sin. And, and I believe that you're desirous of this person more than I could ever be. Okay, give God thanks. Number two, number two, we're going to remove the blinders from their eyes. In our prayer, we're, we're going to remove the blinders from their eyes. This is a great problem that all people have. Now, I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 4 with me to see the Scripture. But this is the great problem that all people have. They have got to hear the Word of God in order to be born again. But there is such a thing as a veil that covers the minds of people who are not saved. Listen, our minds are all in different conditions. Even as I uh, speak the truth to you today and do an excellent job of explaining these principles, it is being received at different levels to different degrees some of you are just shouting the victory on the inside just like woohoo glory to God we're gonna change the world others are like oh <laughs> well you just don't see it I'm telling you I'm not saying you're a lousy person or you're dumb and don't know anything or you're rude or no, I'm, just <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying our minds are in different conditions and we're seeing more than others when it comes to the lost this is big time the one of the biggest issues right here some people their, their minds are literally veiled from seeing the truth and that's what the scripture says here second corinthians 4 and verse 3 but even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are what perishing veiled to those who are in other words lost people are not saved Typically because they don't see it. It's not that most people don't want what we have. It is that they don't know what we have. If they could see it, they would want it. I mean, it's sometimes hard for us to understand. But most of us just need to look back at our own lives and see the way we were. But think about it. Our gospel of 
the love of God and what Jesus did for us on the cross, His grace, is the simplest thing in the world. I mean, it is so very understandable. And it makes so much sense. At the same time, I don't know why in the world anyone would ever reject the Lord. That's just illogical. That just doesn't make any sense. How come some people don't see it? Their eyes are blinded. They literally can't see it. What is so simple to me is simply someone else is looking at it. And I don't get what you guys are so excited about. I've got to yank that thing down from in front of their eyes. If I can do that, then they'll hear the same message and respond completely differently. Deception is a real thing. And we can help people get free from that. It says in verse 4, whose mind's the God of this age. Who's that? That's Satan. That's not God. That's the devil. The God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine to them. And so what we want to do might look something like this. I'm praying for so-and-so. Give me a name. George. <laughs> I'm praying for George, and I want George to, to know the Lord. I want George to be saved. So I'm going to thank God for him, and then I'm going to change my mode, and I'm going to say, Satan, I command you to take your hands off George's life. I command those blinders to come down from his mind in Jesus' name. And then I say, thank you, Lord, the light of the gospel the glory of Christ shines unto him. And I thank you that George can see clearly now his present condition, which is sinful and lost, and his need for a Savior, who is Jesus. Don't think about, I've got to write all that down. Hold on, could you say that again? It's not that it has to be exactly word for word right. Just get the principle. I am commanding on the authority of Jesus' name those blinders to be removed from him. All right? And, uh, and, and sometimes people say, I don't know if I fully understand that. Go ahead and start. Start your car. You don't know how it all works anyway. <laughs> Couldn't fix it if it broke down, but you know how to step on the gas, right? <laughs> and uh, like our daughter was in the bathtub the other day, and Amy, our little daughter, uh, Amy hurt her four-year-old, and uh, she hurt her up there because she had skinned her knee that day and skinned her hand. She fell down, and she was, she was really hurting, and she had told me that it hurts, and, and uh, but she was up in the bathtub singing and stuff, and Amy hears her saying, uh, I resist you, Satan, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? And, uh, and, and about being healed in Jesus' name and stuff. And she came down and said, doesn't hurt anymore. And then she said, what does resist mean? <laughs> uh, so she knew, the, she knew the verbiage. She had the lingo down. She didn't fully understand that, but it was working for her anyway. <laughs> but I tell you what, this is what we're doing when it comes to this. We are going to resist on behalf of another person so that why and that's the end of it no so that the word of God now gains access to their thinking all right all right here we go number three number three we're gonna pray that the father would send laborers across their path you want to know how to pray for the lost this is real specific now I want you to look at Luke chapter 10 let me show you this this is not just a good idea these are the words of Jesus Luke chapter 10, Jesus said in verse 2, let's see, verse 2, Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, 
but the laborers are few. Therefore, because of this, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. What are we supposed to do? Jesus told us how to deal with the lost world. He said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers out. Laborers, that's a worker. In other words, we need more people to speak. We need more people to share the truth. That's what brings the harvest in. Amen. Not just pray for more prayers. Lord, we just need more people praying for the lost. We need those who will pray. And I don't, don't get me wrong. I don't think there's like too much praying going on and we should shut it down. <laughs> I have a feeling we could do a prayer teaching too, you know, and just talk about the need and, and the importance of prayer. All right. However, let's not go into the mindset that prayer is it. What's the prayer for? It's to pray that God would send people. Think about if we were to do this, and we are, by the way. Uh, if we, if 100% of us in here, in all three of our services, if all of us prayed this today, we all prayed that the Lord would send out laborers into the harvest. What's the chance, what's the remote chance that maybe some people's prayer in here could result in the Lord sending some of the rest of us out. You see how if we really pray this, it's not about some are just going to be prayers. If we all prayed this, I kind of think we all might get an assignment too. I said, Lord, send laborers. And the Lord deals with Terry. And he said, Lord, send laborers. And I get an invitation. to, <laughs> I get a phone call. Uh, but, you know, what, what do I mean? All of a sudden, an opportunity, a door opens. I have a relationship. There's a connection. And the Lord's dealing with me as a worker, as a laborer in, the, in, the, in that harvest. And if you can see this even further by looking at the first word of the next verse, Jesus said to pray. What did he say immediately after that? He said, go. In other words, it wasn't his intention. His intention just to just say, guys, we need to get everybody praying. He said, we need to pray and we need to go. You guys got to pray that you know, I would send out labors, but realize you might be the answer to your own prayer. Many times this is the case. I'm praying for George to get saved, but the response as soon as I pray that, when I say pray to get saved, I'm saying talking about praying along these lines. And Lord send laborers into George's life. It's very likely that I am that laborer. Now there are exceptions to that. There are sometimes it's someone else that the Lord's going to send. And praise God. Especially if you have someone across the country or some other place and you want to pray for them. It may be someone else. Here's the other deal. Sometimes it takes multiple people. One person shares with them. And they resist. They don't receive Another person shares, and the third time, bing, now all of a sudden they receive. It might just be that pounding effect on their mind. It might be the way, the way in which that other person shared, but the Lord was able to get through to them through some reason. So I'm not just going to share the gospel. I'm going to pray that the Lord would send laborers. Now, let me say this as a side note to that. Uh, I don't want to get legalistic with this. What point am I on? Number three. I got two more. I don't want to get legalistic with this, and I, all of a sudden I find myself in a situation 
where I have an opportunity to share the love of God with another person, and I think, oh, junk. Hold on. I got to go, thank you, Lord, that you love them. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Oh, I've removed the blinders from there, and I got to go bind and rebuke a little bit. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> No, that's getting over. You don't know. Somebody else may have prayed those very things for them already. And so it's not about just getting everything in order. It's about taking every opportunity because you may be responding to your own prayer or somebody else's prayer. It may be that very person who was calling out on God and saying, Lord, help me. I don't know what to do. And there you are. There you are. This is why it's important to be in relationships with others, not just Christians. I'm going to come back and hit that later. Let's go to number four. Number four, I'm going to pray this. I'm going to pray that the Father, pray to the Father that, that He would bring back to remembrance the Scriptures that they have already heard. I'm going to pray that He would bring back to remembrance the Scriptures that they have already heard. This is John 14, 26. It, Jesus said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. And so I'm praying and people are speaking, the veil is down, but oftentimes, it's probably the case with many here, we heard it, and then we heard it again, and then we heard it again, and maybe a year later we heard it again. But the, those scriptures, one, one of the things the Lord does is He brings it back to us. We may, George may be sitting there saying, no, I don't want that, I'm not interested, I'm good, I'm happy, I'm fine. Or, you know, I don't agree, maybe he has theological arguments or some kind of thing that's keeping him. It's that veil, you know, and he, he resists. And, uh, uh, you know, eventually you could become annoying to them. <laughs> but here's the deal. I may go away. The Lord's never going to go away. Because I'm going to keep praying. <laughs> the Lord would bring things back. And George goes to bed at night. God so loved the world. <clears throat> he gave His only begotten Son. <laughs> if you'll just confess with your mouth. Ah, what is this? The Lord can keep reminding him of the things that you shared with him, of somebody else shared with him, and uh, he'll never get away from it. So, all right, I'll be quiet, but <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs> you are either going to get saved and give into this, or you are going to be annoyed the rest of your life. <laughs> and as soon as they get saved, they're going to say, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for staying with it, for keeping bringing it to my attention. Amen. And, uh, and this is one of the things the Lord does. So we want to keep uh, these things that have been said, maybe things they heard as a child, going to church, going to VBS or a Sunday school or something, and, uh, and now all of a sudden all these things are coming back to their mind. They don't know why. What is going on here? It's called prayer is the real deal. Remember hearing a testimony of a man who said he was living in the world, but his mother was praying for him. She kept praying for him, and he would go out clubbing and going to the bars and getting involved in all kinds of wrong stuff. And he, he said, because he's saved now, but he said, I just couldn't get away from this. He said, I kept hearing, hey, I'd be going to do some, getting, do some sinful stuff, and I'd hear, hey. And he was like, oh, would you leave me alone? And it was the Lord's talking to him. He just knew God was following him wherever he went. Hey. And what he said is his mother was praying for him. He's like, I think he said he'd get on the phone and say, would you stop praying for me? These things are real and they're powerful. It changes people's lives. And we can have a part in this. 
for us to sit back and just be idle and just live our happy little Christian lives and we're going to heaven and we got a mansion and woohoo, man, let's get away from that. There's so much more. Come on, let's populate that place. Fill it up with people that Jesus died for. Here's number five, number five today. Number five, we're going to repeat this prayer until we see the right results. We're going to repeat this prayer until we see the right results. Now, if you're like me at all, you might immediately have questions of that. You think, well, that's not a faith prayer than if we repeat it again and again because well, this is a different kind of prayer, though. This is not the same as you praying for your needs to be met, you know, or someone's praying that the Lord will heal them and they keep praying the same thing over and over. <laughs> Quit. You're not going to get healed that way, right? That's a different type of prayer, all right? There's such a thing as standing in faith. But when it comes to these things, we know this is a reason why we're going to do this again and again. And it might only need to be prayed once. But when would it need to be prayed again? If they don't get saved right away. You cannot force it on anyone. The, the gospel is never forced upon a person. You can't make a person be saved. God's not going to cram it down their throat, and, and we shouldn't even try. We share. You can't, try, you can't force somebody's will. And so what happens sometimes, you prayed, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, Yank the blinders down, send a labor across their path, bring it all back to their remembrance, and it all worked, and they resisted. And they said, no thanks. And they said, I'm not going to receive. Your prayer worked. They just, re they just rejected it. So what are we going to do? Hit them again. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> and I'm going to pray for you again. I'm going to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You love them so much. Amen. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I yank that blinders down from off of your eyes in Jesus' name. Lord, send labors across their pathway and bring all these scriptures back to their remembrance. And all of a sudden, they've got to deal with it all over again. What might happen? They might get saved right then. They might say, oh, no, I'm not going. I'm going to resist. Some of us did. We resisted. We were not going to receive that. What are we going to do? Hit them again. How long? Until they get saved. Tell their life is so miserable without God. <laughs> we, we, in our love, we're, we, we'll, we'll never grow tired. Hmm. The devil's going to wear out before we do. He doesn't have the fruit of the Spirit in his life. Amen. He doesn't have patience and perseverance. We do. We yield to God. We'll never be discouraged. Even if it's someone you care for very deeply, we'll never be discouraged. We're not going to let the enemy have that on us where we get tired. I'm not going to get tired. How can you say that? God's never tired. He's in me. I'm never going to get worn down and worn out, and I'm not going to give up. This person's life is in the balance. I'm going to continue to stand and pray for them until they turn it around. Amen. And so God wants us to do this, and He wants us to be involved in this, and we can pray. But again, we're going to pray effectively, but we're doing it to the end result that the Word gets spoken to them and they can respond to it. Now, let me say this. Let me say a couple things in closing here. It is not our goal just to produce converts to Christianity. Jesus said that we should make disciples of all nations. And I'm going to spend more time on this in the coming weeks. But our goal is not just, how many people did you pray with this week? Not, and I'm not saying that's people's motive, but uh, 
It's not just how many people do we pray with. How many disciples did we make? Too many times we've only got half the picture in our mind. We just want to get someone to pray with us. You're saved. Okay, good. We'll see you in heaven. Well, we didn't follow the great commission of making a disciple. All right? When people are born physically, babies, how many understand they don't know how to walk? And if they're going to get anywhere, they need help. When people are born again spiritually, they don't know how to walk by faith. And so they need someone to come alongside of them and teach them how to walk by faith until they can walk on their own. Everybody listening to me? Now I'll talk about that in greater detail. But this is why our focus is not just getting someone to pray the prayer. That's a step. That's a first step. I don't know if this has happened to you, but I've prayed with people all over town. Literally, in the restaurants, in, the, in different stores, uh, where I've led people to the Lord. And felt like, man, it was, I was happy. I was thrilled. But it, it's always been very difficult for me to disciple these people because I don't know them. That's one of the downsides to being a pastor. Uh, not that it's an excuse, but you're not, you don't, you're not working around sinners, which many of you are able to do. And so as far as the relationships go, I don't have people I'm having office next to every day except for Pastor Allen, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm working on him. <laughs> Just walking him through it. <laughs> but I'm saying oftentimes that I don't mean to, to disregard evangelism with people you don't know. However, it's more difficult than it is to bring a person who you already have a relationship with, family, friend, coworker, neighbor, whatever it is, and, uh, and you're able to lead them into a relationship with Christ and establish them as a follower, as a disciple of the Lord, and get them going. This is what people need so much. They need you. And whether that seems like a monumental task or not, we're going to really help you out with that, and so it's not. But it's necessary that we do it. This is what will change our world. This is what will change us in the process. Now, everybody got your announcements today, right? I want you to get those out. And you saw there's a piece of paper on the, in the inside. Now, if you don't have one, the ushers have extras. Lift up your hand and they'll give one to you. And, uh, and ushers are in the aisles right now. They're coming forward in the aisles to, to help out with this. So, uh, praise the Lord. Um, uh, lift your hand. They'll get that to you right away. Let me borrow yours for a moment, if I could. Um, thank you, Lord. Well, you see on this paper, it has got our, the logo for this series, and you'll notice this, this paper is perforated. That's because uh, half of it's for you and half of it's for me. All right, and you see on the top it says, I will be praying for and working to see these people come become followers of Christ. And uh, what, we, what I want you to do is write some specific names. Don't just say the people of Africa. Or <laughs> it's fine that you pray for the people of Africa. But I want you to write specific names of people, family. I'm specifically thinking now, in this context, not necessarily family members in another state or friends in another state. You can certainly apply the same principles. But our focus right now is, like I said, to make disciples. So we're focusing on people in our lives continually in our area 
All right? And so I want you to think and write down whether they're related or friends of yours, long-term friends or someone, you know, acquaintances, uh, whatever they may be, people that you can pray for specifically and work to see come to the Lord. You're looking for an opportunity. On the bottom, of course, you write the same people. And that's where it has your contact information there. Because this bottom one is for me. So I can be praying with you. And my staff will get together. And so we can be agreeing with you and praying for these people as well. All right. Everybody with me on this? And uh, what, what, what we're doing here is if, if you've got, and, and I, we put five lines there. If you've got two or three, and don't feel like you have to have five. Our goal in this is that you win one. One. We'll deal with the after that, after that. All right. I want to help you with everything I'm able to do to help you win one. And watch what a difference it makes. But if you've got ten, you can put more. But if you don't have to necessarily have five. And uh, if you've got them right now, I want you to turn this into us today. If this is like, man, I can't even think of anyone. Uh, and that's, that's fine. I understand that. We want to avoid, though, being so isolated in our Christian lives that we're never around any people who don't know them. That's detrimental to the world. All right? We've got to have relationships. And if, and if you're starting from cold turkey, everyone you know is a Christian, everyone in your family, every one of your friends, uh, well, that's how we're going to be seeking to change your life. So you get to know some of your neighbors. You get to know some people that maybe where you shop, maybe somewhere that there'll be relationships built, and over time, you can have an impact on their life. But if you don't have anyone to put, you think, I don't really know who to put yet, then I want you to take it home. I want you to pray about it and help the, and ask the Lord who, who, uh, who's in your life that you could put in this list and then bring this back to us next time you're here. And, uh, and so we'll add that to our prayer list as well, okay? And, uh, and this is just going to be a tremendous thing. And uh, the way we're going to do this is the ushers on the way out will have the offering containers and if you've got yours done, you'll just tear that bottom part off and put it in that basket so I'll have it this week so we can get right on the job. Amen? And we're going to get right to work, and uh, we're going to start to see more lives change than we ever have before. Listen again. Early, earlier service today, one woman was born again. It's tremendous. But, you know, that was just one. Again, the minimal. There may be some in just a moment. You're going to be saved here today. It'll change your life forever. I'm going to pray for you in just a second. One second before we go. Most people are not in church, though. Most people who need the Lord in their life didn't come. They're watching the NFL, which is not all bad. <laughs> but it won't make an eternal difference. Amen. So we're going to go out and get them. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for every person here today. Thank you for the life of God that's been made available to every single one of us. Jesus died for our sins, and we thank you so much for that. Father, I pray for every single person here, for everyone that's come that has never been born again, for everyone that has yet to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I pray that you touch their heart and draw them to yourself. As the Word of God has taken root in their minds and their hearts today, I believe it's changing them. And I pray that they would make a decision to come to know you now. In Jesus' name.